Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Evan, you'll be um, happy to know that even though you weren't there at Winged Wheel Podcast night to sign all the autographs that were requested directly from you, uh, we did give everyone who made that request your personal uh, home address to mail in their things that they want signed. And we said there was no restrictions and there was no return postage needed to be included. So um, it'll be like you were there the whole time, buddy. Yeah, I'll be sure to uh, get right on top of that and uh, get that done. I'll, I'll drop off a Sharpie at your house. Hey, did you uh, did you like the bubbly flavors we got for you? I've tried the one, the triple fruit. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a that's a, a triple berry or whatever. It's a game game changer. Why that does was, America have all the best stuff? Oh man, the Target run was uh, that was Evan was really bummed to not come. But that was his that was his one demand is that we we went to Target and we got him the caffeinated bubbly. So at least he's still on brand. And I had one, so I've got a little bit more energy. Nice. Well, post Winged Wheel podcast night, Brad, I can see that you are le- by the legal definition alive. Kind of, yeah. I want everyone to know I woke up at I want to say, yeah, I woke up just a little bit past nine this morning. We were we were getting ready to leave. And uh, by that point, you were probably most of the way home, Brad, because you got up and left at 6.30 a.m. Am I right? We walked through our front door at 20 after nine. Just enough time to grab our hockey gear and get to the charity game we had to play today. That's miserable news. Um, I, <laughs> I, I think like before... <laughs> Before we we get talking about the event, first, uh, a little bit of a checkup. We are obviously doing this episode remote. Uh, So, Evan, how are you feeling? I feel completely fine. Like, actually completely fine. Today's weather in Detroit, like blue sky, warm, sunny, just a light breeze. I was like, that's extremely rude considering the weather we had yesterday. And this is like the health equivalent of that. Yeah, pretty much. I did not feel bad on Saturday, so that sucked. And today I feel completely fine. So, um, but I was still testing positive as of yesterday. So there was no uh, surprise entry or entrance by me <laughs> to the event. <laughs> that's that's only Mickey Redmond is able to do those. Sorry, man. He's got those yeah, patented. Okay, folks, welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Uh, If you are a new listener, uh, this is a rare remote episode where we are all uh, in our own homes as uh, Evan, one of our hosts, has unfortunately come down with COVID, but uh, we are usually in studio. But uh, welcome to the show. First episode post Winged Wheel Podcast night at the LCA Part 2. I am one of your hosts, caffeinated with a few hours left of consciousness, Ryan Hanna. With even less time than that, I'm Brad Krishko. And I'm Evan. On this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, we will be recapping Winged Wheel Podcast Night at the LCA and all of the amazing things that you all helped us accomplish. Um, for those of you who are interested in hearing that. Uh, and then we'll be, of course, talking about the Detroit Red Wings game that we got to witness from some new angles uh, with some familiar storylines. So it's good to know that even when we're there, we can, <laughs> we can still see the same prototypical Red Wings stories in person. 
there's some news across the world of hockey in terms of the NCAA, uh, across the world of hockey in terms of the NHL with some of the best players in the NHL uh, in the headlines for the for good and bad reasons, you know, from Matthews to Malkin. I know Red Wings fans' favorites. And uh, we'll get into overtime. Um, before we do that, I do want to mention uh, the Jamie Daniels Foundation and their Comedy Night of Hope that is coming up. So all of you were very excited to see Ken Daniels and Mickey Redmond, and, and they talked about this at Winged Wheel Podcast Night as well. Uh, Comedy Night of Hope is on Sunday, May 1st at Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle in Royal Oak, Michigan. Tickets are as low as 50 bucks uh, and includes the purchase, uh, or sorry, it includes lunch or dinner, depending on the show you go to. The purchase of your ticket goes directly to support a new adolescent substance abuse treatment center that cares for youth regardless of insurance coverage or ability to self-pay which is a vital lifeline for youth and families in southeast michigan the show features three headliner comedians and is sponsored by priority waste and cranks catering to purchase tickets go to jamiedanielsfoundation.org so let's talk about winged wheel podcast night at the lca uh, it was our second ever time running this so first off we'd like to to give some uh thank yous for First and foremost to Ken Daniels and Mickey Redmond uh, for being the stars of the show. I think uh, it was pretty surreal. I, the moment people knew or the moment people saw Mickey Redmond come into the first event, which is a little bit of a surprise to them, the audible gasp, I'll never forget that. But when Mickey Redmond entered this event and immediately the whole crowd burst into a Mickey Redmond chant. <laughs> I was like, this isn't art. Like, this isn't a this isn't a winged wheel podcast night show. Like, we are the guests. This is Ken Daniels and Mickey Redmond's show. We're never Evan is probably the only one who can come close to that chant, but uh, the Mickey Redmond chant was incredible. I'm a big fan of the moments where we do not have to do anything. We're just kind of there witnessing history. <laughs> uh, the the live show was a blast. You guys filled. The beer garden, um, the Budweiser beer garden, again, to the point where, I mean, we're going to have to build a bigger venue. <laughs> um, speaking of which, I, uh, the thank you has to go out to our partners, uh, uh, the Detroit Red Wings, everyone over there who helped us uh, put this thing together. Um, there's so many of you, and, and it's been such an incredible process uh, and an incredible thing to to see come together for the second time now. So thank you all. The Detroit Red Wings are incredible, uh, an amazing support. And uh, we really appreciate them supporting not just this event, but the continuation of it um, as well. And, and all of you, you know, 435 or 440 tickets sold, I think. I've yet to tally up the numbers, but you have raised another four to $5,000 for the Jamie Daniels Foundation through Wings Money on the Board uh, and the the sale of tickets for that event. So we're getting close to 15000 on the season. And I think we can push that 20000 mark by the end of the season that we were aiming for. So uh, we talk on a podcast and I mean it when I say we don't have the words to say thanks. We don't have the right words to, to properly acknowledge the incredible support that you guys have shown. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, and Ken thanks you, as he said at the event, um, so much. Like blown away. Genuinely feeling tingles talking about this. The, uh, the gondola seats, those were fun. Evan, you are going to have a blast going up there. Max swears by uh, by the gondola view because he says you can see the play 
develop and unfold in a different way. And I have to say he's right. Like it was really cool to watch it from above. So that is something that we're definitely going to continue. How was the vertigo from trying to get up there? Wasn't too bad. We could eat with the way I ate this weekend. The stairs, I definitely um, were justified. I should have done a few more up and downs of them. Okay. Honestly, honestly, at least you remembered to eat this time. Yes, that was very good. I was able to. Yeah, it was. uh, I was the inverse of last time. So, and of course, uh, thank you to Harry's Detroit for hosting the after party. Uh, You all filled the upstairs. Uh, of that bar and i think some of the downstairs too so that was a lot of fun and i think everyone was just drained at one point a whole wedding walked in which i was like hey if you want to celebrate your your newfound marriage by uh celebrating at winged wheel podcast night good for you but no that was it was a it was really cool to see the bar filled with uh winged wheel podcast listeners for most of the night and uh the after party was a lot of fun so thank you to harry's and it was a great spot and a great staff and, and we look forward to to working with them again it was also kids night brad and mika had a great time Oh, she had the best day ever. Like, I'm not exaggerating when I say she was walking through the concourse and on the drive after just going, this is the best day ever because she got her face painted. She got on the Jumbotron again. She's three for three at Red Wings games. Um, Just a whole bunch of other cool stuff that she got to do while kicking around the arena. Obviously, the game itself she loved um, since there was a bunch of goals um, that she got to celebrate. Yeah, honestly, everything about that for Mika was just unbelievable and even like all the people she met at the event because obviously i tell enough stories about mika here that almost everybody at it knew of her like obviously didn't know her but knew of her knew who mika was and there was only one five-year-old running around the event so it wasn't hard to figure out who she was and she kept coming up saying she goes daddy this who was that person i'm like i don't know how do they know me Mika, I tried explaining this to you. They, we've told stories of you many, many times. They're going to know who you are. And so that was adorable. She's like, she had that moment of, why do so many people know me when I don't know them? And it's just like, Mika, you're a big deal. Yeah, Mika's a real star. She she really, uh, truly was. <laughs> and of course, I know, Evan, it's it's awkward with you sitting right here, but uh, the event's not the same without you. But oh, I'm not listening. You can yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the moment you start to say anything sappy towards Evan, he tunes out. But genuinely, the event isn't the same without Evan. And I know you guys felt it. So that just means the next one, we're going to have to go even bigger and better for him. And uh, of course, Prashanth Iyer um, wasn't able to make it as well. And we were looking forward to having him on the panel. Um, all of you who were there, Mika's right. It is it is surreal. And and to know that that room is filled with winged wheel podcast listeners and and the support you show and people coming in from around Detroit and Michigan and people driving in or flying in from hours away. I was talking to uh, some people from Tallahassee. I was talking to some people from Oshawa. Um, Of course the, the grand Rapids crew came in and, you know, seeing Adriana's sign with my stupid meme face on it. (laughs) And, uh, (gasps) You know, the moment where Mickey saw the uh, the Wing Wheel podcast flannel shirts that we made for him. Like, we we always work to make these events bigger and better for you. And, and genuinely, we do. Like, we debrief. We take notes. We, we're going to send out a survey for you to give feedback. But um, I couldn't – we couldn't have asked for, for a better event. So, thank you. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's um, so many funny moments. Just honestly, way too many to list out individually. 
so many people, uh, so many great stories, uh, so many interesting hockey opinions. <laughs> great night. I, I love it. I live for those conversations. Just everybody coming up. Brad, hypothetical question. All right, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, the you the video of the the live show it takes a little while to work with that audio and get it together but we will post it uh later this week hopefully sooner rather than later and you can see the moment where where mickey got his custom wing wheel podcast flannel of all the merch we've ever put out the custom like mickey redmond style flannel with the wing wheel podcast embroidered logo i had people like grab me by the shoulders and shake me saying when are you going to sell this so uh we're gonna work on that it, they're a little bit hard to uh to put together but we're gonna work on making them available for you guys so i'm glad you all you all liked it so much and um the bonus episode where you can listen to the live show or, or watch it will be coming eventually so keep your eye out for that the next event is just going to be a c of flannels <laughs> just <laughs> evan was really excited to when i uh when i dropped his off at his, at his front door all right the detroit red wings we joked we're like it's the columbus blue jackets it's a late season game both teams are dealing with you know maybe a lackluster season in different ways i know columbus had a little bit of a covid bugaboo there so i was like I'm not really expecting a barn burner. And for a little bit in the game, it was looking kind of dull or it was looking like Detroit, you know, at points couldn't even enter the zone. But by the end, that game was a bit of a barn burner. Like that was actually a blast to watch. Uh, when Columbus went up 4-2 in the third period and I saw a handful of people leaving the arena, I'm like, there it is. We're coming back. That's exactly what we needed because we had a bunch of dummies leaving early. I would say the Red Wings had a good start to the game. Actually, they had a lot of chances early and then, yeah, hit a wall for 20, 25 minutes of game time. And then obviously a little hot and cold before the final 10 minutes of the third period. But yeah, overall it was a pretty good game for them. I think they ended up out shooting Columbus um, despite uh, really getting shafted on the penalty differentials. Um, But yeah, honestly, considering by the time this game started, uh, due to the Washington Capitals win that afternoon, the Red Wings were mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. So it was their first first game with truly nothing to play for. Um, it, it was nice to see them not fold up and, and call it a day. We can't have this conversation about that game without talking about how special of a goal scorer Jacob Verona is, which I know this is the first time we've ever talked about it on this podcast, but genuinely it's to the point where you watch him score a goal and it doesn't seem to be any kind of a special release and it doesn't seem to be any kind of a special deke to create space or what it, whatever it is. And you look at it and you're like, that doesn't go in for anyone else but Verona, which is when you do the mental math of it's not luck. There are little things that shooters do or that guys like Verona do who just have that scoring touch. And that's what it is. The scoring touch isn't about like the bar down right over the goalie's shoulder next to his head every time. The scoring touch is making, you know, the poor angle shots or the lower percentage shots go in more often than not, in my opinion. And, you know, Verona does all of that. And for him to score at will, you know, he opened the scoring for Detroit and he would score the tying goal with with uh, under four minutes left in the third from above, from the bird's eye view, you're watching, you're like, this guy is absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, honestly, um, that Zadina Vrana suitor line was comfortably the 
Red Wings' best line yesterday. They controlled play. It seemed like every time they were on the ice, they were making things happen. They had a lot of chances. It's not even like Verona was carrying um, some kind of horseshoe last night. Like They were all around the net constantly, whether Merzlikens made a good save or they just missed the net or the shot was blocked. Well, obviously, a lot of shots were blocked. Zadina was on the ice. Um, but yeah, they were dominant. And it was good to see them have a good game in person because we talked at length about the uh, chemistry Zadina and Verona had from last season. And we were really, really hoping to see it this year. And the first few games they played together, it looked like it was there, but obviously it's a little easier to tell in person. So getting the full ice view. Uh, oh, it it was there in spades yesterday. Those guys just find each other. There's even a couple plays they had that didn't turn out to anything because a, a Blue Jackets defenseman made like a nice play or, or just got a stick on a pass at the last second where they were circling the zone, finding each other through seams without even knowing they're there. And honestly, um, I joke about the Zadina block shot thing, but if not for that, they probably had two or three more um, than they already had. So yeah, it's, it's unbelievable, especially when you get a line like that and then you have a guy on that line like Verana, who is such a capable finisher and is able to do it <laughs> as frequently as he does. Yeah, it seems a little bit more like the Zadina we're seeing right now is like, it sounds terrible and, and a little bit morbid to say, but like the Zadina who was at the beginning of his downturn this season where he was doing a lot of the right things, but the puck just wasn't going in. And it's not a flip switching with Zadina when he's off or on. It's very obviously he has to build up. So right now we're seeing him do a lot more of the right things. And like you said, Brad, playing with Verona and, and uh, Suter as well. But I mean, mostly this this is Verona here. Opening him up to be able to just kind of make those different plays is a huge difference. And it's just a domino effect because his confidence is building. So he's trying things that you see, you know, he wasn't doing uh, when he was at the lowest of his lows. So the production will come if he keeps this up. And as I think as long as he continues to get this opportunity, but yeah, it was, you know, good to see that re unlocking that, that reestablishment of Zadina. I, I like that trend recently too, right? Cause we just spent so much time talking about what, you know, putting Michael Rasmus in the right situations has done for his game who there's no reason why the same thing shouldn't apply to, to Zadina here. So Verona scores goals and 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 helps elevate his teammates, and that's invaluable. I have a quick stat here from Prashanth. He, he put in the group chat. Um, if Verona gets two more goals in his next five games, I believe it is, he will be the fastest Red Wings player in history to score 20 career goals with the team. The current fastest... Um, is Danny Grant in 74-75 scored 21 goals in his first 32 games. Verona has 18 and 27. That is insane. That is just an absurd number of goals, especially considering, you know, it's the Red Wings. He has not played with Larkin and Raymond this year, at least not for any significant amount of time. So the fact that he's doing that as he is, is crazy. What was his 18 goals in 26 games? 27. 27? Like, so just quick math. He's scoring at a 55-goal pace. That's nuts. That's almost Austin levels. Austin Matthews levels. <laughs> Not far off, actually. <laughs> almost. 
look for for the argument of uh hey the continuation of the red wings shouldn't be like tearing down a little bit more it should be building on what they have having a a a trigger man like that who's able to produce like that mostly not on your first line and mostly not with your two best offensive players that aren't named jacob verona that bodes well man if you eventually get a healthy robbie fabry back depending on how he returns from his his acl tear that's going to be a game changer for detroit well, they're at this stage in the rebuild right now. It's just all about figuring out the pieces. There were, the Red Wings are still too far away to know truly what is the core of their next contending team. Truly what type of team are they going to be when they're contending? But we can pencil in Larkin for a spot on that team. Verona now, you know, Cider, Raymond, et cetera. It's, these are the pieces that are in place that you can say, okay, this player can slot in X spot in the lineup and this team can win a cup because, you know, we talk about, they need that second line center. They need, you know, uh, impact left-hand defenseman, yada, yada, yada. But what does that boil down to? When do you know if you have that player to fill said role? And they've got a lot of holes to fill because, you know, as content as we are with, you know, certain parts of the Red Wings. I don't think many of us think, you know, Adam Ernie or Sam Gagne or Mark Stahl or, um, are going to be Sam Gagne is on a tear recently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they're not going to be on the team when the team's contending. So even though those spots are occupied competently now, they're not long term. They're pieces like Mitchell Stevens, uh, came back and this is his first game back in five months and he looked good he again he's nothing more than a fourth line center but he's probably the best best fourth line center they have in the organization right now and i think he put up an assist that game and and had a good game so that could pretend and he's young enough that could be another piece but obviously a piece like verona far more important watching the game from the gondola and this is again this is the uh the trademark ryan obvious statement but Watching what Moritz Sider does, especially carrying the puck into and around the offensive zone, this guy's decision-making, vision, and handles with the puck, we've spent probably 40% of the active podcast time this season talking about Moritz Sider specifically. That's probably not too much of an exaggeration, and I still think it's underappreciated. What this guy does with the puck is... Almost never a mistake, which as a defenseman, if you are a mistake-free, that is not average. You are an elite defenseman. It is almost never a mistake, and it is almost always the best or most optimal move in the offensive zone to to create space or generate a strong offensive chance. Never mind his defensive prowess, which I can go on for hours about. Watching him and thinking, there's no way he just saw that player. There's no way he saw that trailer behind him. There's no way he's able to contort his, like, massive, he's a tall guy, tall body and long stick, to contort his body in the puck that way to make that, you know, bounce bounce reverse pass off the boards behind him. But he just does it, and he does it at will. And he does it repeatedly, and he does it to the point where we're going to think it's normal, like... I don't make this comparison lightly, and I'm not making the direct player-to-player comparison, but do you remember watching Nick Lidstrom and thinking, oh, man, that basic little play where he just shut down the the offensive rush or that basic little pass that he just made? It's the fact that we've been used to watching that over the last 10, 15, however many years, 
and we took it for granted. Like we're going to get into that territory with Moritz Sider if he keep, if he keeps us up. He just always makes the right move with the puck on his stick and he's always in the right areas. I cannot believe that a rookie NHL defenseman does this so consistently and watching it from above was surreal. I, all I can think of was, man, pro scouts must watch this guy and think, how the hell did my team not draft him? <laughs> well, to be fair, like 25 teams never had the chance, but uh, <laughs> he's the one thing that you really notice in person too, is he's fearless. He makes super risky plays look like they're never in doubt, never in danger. The way he walks the blue line in the offensive zone there was one time he was doing, uh, going to his strong side across the blue line, basically wearing a, the Blue Jackets defender as a backpack. And there was not one ounce of panic in him. And the puck was literally on his stick, touching the blue line. And he's the last guy back. And, you know, that's the type of stuff that generally <laughs> turns into a chance the other way, gets a player bench, yada, yada, yada. The Red Wings had a scoring chance th- three seconds after it because he just lost the guy, shook him, opened up the space, got it to the net. And I forget who didn't put the rebound in, but like it's it's not normal for a 20, now 21 year old to be doing that. <laughs> And not to say he's like a flawless player and is never on the ice for a goal against or anything. I think he's playing, what, 25 minutes a night at this point. Like he's he's going to be there for, for all the good and all the bad moments, most likely. Disproportionately good at, at this point. But yeah, it's watching him in person is just such uh, – it's a it's an even better appreciation for what the Red Wings have in more insider. So over the course of the game, obviously uh, the Red Wings, I mean, they got scored on – Another hat trick, uh, not his first career hat trick. Is Jack Rosovic scored the hat trick against the Red Wing, hat trick against the Red Wings, including the overtime winner. Verona scored. Sam Gagne scored off of a great setup from Mark Stahl. Excellent vision, and that's where Stevens got his assist. Um, Larkin had a fantastic rip, like just a great snipe. Um, and I think Raymond and Osterley was the other assist on that one um, before Verona tied the game. Um, off an assist from Suter, and, and Rosovic scored in overtime. I hate making the referees the point of focus for anything. And I think every team gets bad refing. And I think the whole league, every sports league has bad refing. And I'll complain about the refs personally until the end of time. That's just that's just sports traditions. But that game was bad. That game was rough. You know, the, the phantom trip that was called on Tyler Bertuzzi the non-call holds in overtime, the non-call trip or whatever it was on Rasmussen in overtime. I think that led to the goal, essentially just the imbalance in what was being called one way or not the other. I thought at first, I'm like, it must be my view. I must be too high up and I'm not seeing this right. But I went back and watched a lot of them and I was like, I just don't want it. I don't want to be able to point to bad calls and do any more than complain. I don't want to be able to point to those calls and say that directly affected the outcome of the game. Look, it's one game. The Red Wings probably appreciate the tank a little bit more for draft purposes. So whatever. They're not fighting for a playoff spot. But that was an especially bad show. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say the refs are out to get the Red Wings. They're not. I, we've said this before. This isn't any vendetta. The NHL's against any team. It's just it's Occam's razor. And the simplest explanation here is the refs are having a really bad year. They're just it. it they are doing a exceptionally poor job of maintaining any consistency 
That's what I want to emphasize. I don't care if they call everything. I don't care if they call nothing. I really don't. I tend to. I'd rather them call closer to the rule book than use judgment, interpretation, and circumstance and situation and game management. But if you do one or the other, I'm fine with it either way. Honestly, if the refs just decided to put their whistles away for the whole game, that probably benefits the Red Wings because their special teams are terrible. Uh, but last night, when you have a uh, accumulation of problems that the NHL refs have had this year. You will get games last, like last night, where you can argue the refs actually cost the Red Wings the game. Now, obviously, in they were mathematically eliminated by the time the game started. It helps the draft spot, whatever. It's not on the big picture a bad thing. But Columbus scored a goal. Um, uh, it wasn't technically a power play goal because Bertuzzi had just gotten out of the box uh, after the phantom trip, the very obvious phantom trip. Um, and Detroit was never able to regain possession uh, at the end of that penalty kill and Columbus scored on it. And then, yeah, like you said, Nyquist took down Rasmussen in overtime and then got possession of the puck and Detroit never touched the puck again. Columbus won it shortly thereafter. In a one-goal game where you can essentially directly attribute two goals to poor refereeing decisions. It hurts. It sucks. It's irritating. That was the angriest I've seen our Red Wings, uh, uh, the fans after a Red Wings game in a long time. They were literally littering the ice with trash, which as an aside, don't do that. The referees don't have to clean that up. But um, yeah, it was, it was just exceptionally unbalanced and inconsistent last night. You know, the Red Wings had a goal waved off and like i think we all could agree that was it was a right call it was it, valeno went into the goalie of his own accord before raymond put it in fine wave it off so yeah. the refs waved off a goal red wings fans agreed with it and were still furious with the rest of the game like that's how bad it was and that's how inconsistent it was you know larkin gets cross-checked in the head on one play and the red wings end up shorthanded out of it like it's just it's absurd every scrum it seemed like the red wings got singled out which you know, I'm not saying what they did wasn't wasn't a penalty in any of those circumstances, but man, in every scrum in NHL history, both teams are doing some shit that you can call. It's a little weird when it's only one team getting pulled and but put being put on the PK every time. Not literally every time, but most of the time. Like it's just it, it was one of those games. It was just a the perfect microcosm of a, a league-wide problem this season. I was in the other direction. I was actually a little amazed. So that scrum where where Bertuzzi and uh, uh, Merzlikens collided, and you know it was called goalie interference on on or sorry Larkin and Merzlikens collided, and it was called goalie interference on Larkin. Um, apparently, I don't know. Some some people said Merzlikens stuck his leg out. I actually didn't go back and watch that replay closely. Whatever. And there was a scrum after because they went after Larkin and Bertuzzi jumped in and then, you know, Sider pulled whoever had Bertuzzi in a headlock out and Bertuzzi got free. And Bertuzzi threw glo- or, um, punches over like linesmen and referees heads at like two different guys, like multiple times, like Bertuzzi was throwing them. And okay, first of all, from a completely biased point of view, I don't blame Bert. That game was the game was lost at that point in terms of control from the referees, and you were never going to get any kind of like justice or, or whatever. And at that point, you have to settle settle it on the ice. Personally, love to see it from a refereeing point of view. The fact that Bertuzzi threw those punches and was back out 
on the ice after a two minute minor penalty. I was like, you have lost control of this game. Like this is out of control. I can't believe just the the poor management of that game and and the way the things that they called we got to see the traditional red wings player boarded from behind into the boards with no call and actually something like you said brad something come against them in the end it was just a shame and you know what it's not just because we were there and it's not just because it was winged wheel podcast or night or whatever it's just a shame that such an exciting nhl hockey game with a comeback and where even neutral fans who i know were next to me were watching and were like this is a an amazing game like this is a barn burner it ends off of everyone just kind of groaning and going oh my god i can't believe they just spoiled that so you just don't like to see it and and i hate giving it the airtime but it was that's what everyone there felt i'm surprised we didn't hear the bullshit chant i mean arjun was next to me blowing out my eardrum screaming bullshit but (laughs) i don't think the whole arena was doing it but yeah it was it was a shame It, it, it was just a shame Fun little uh, aside, um, Mika's story at the end of the game, because obviously when Columbus won it in overtime, the refs got booed pretty heavily, and that's when all the garbage started flying on the ice. Mika looks at me, he goes, Daddy, why are why is everybody booing Ned? And I'm like, Mika, we're, we're not. We're not. We we love Ned. There was a couple Ned chants that game. We're big Ned fans. The re- I was saying <laughs> boo Ned. Uh, but, uh, but I'm like, no, we're booing the refs. And she's like, oh why <laughs> and she got her first lesson in what bad rapping is <laughs> yeah yeah welcome to the show kid all right uh before we get into the rest of the show let's first talk about uh, how this episode of the winged wheel podcast is proudly brought to you by the FanDuel sportsbook sponsor that gives hockey fans what we really need and always enjoy even more excitement in the game there's so many reasons why FanDuel is america's number one sportsbook they are simple to use with great odds on different betting markets giving you more action every game day there's always tons of fun with unique bet types like same game parlays and exclusive promotions on the biggest events and when you win you get your winnings safely and as little as 24 hours now listen to this FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000 just place a bet on any game and FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back if you don't win your first bet no strings attached if you win you keep the cash if you lose you'll get up to $1,000 back in site credit Now, what we want you to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started with a risk-free bet of up to $1,000 and be sure to sign up with promo code WWP so they know the Winged Wheel podcast sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook promo code WWP. You must be 21 and older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, Tennessee, Virginia, or Michigan. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-9-WITH-IN-INDIANA, in indiana one 800 gambler in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia, Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789, 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia, or call 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. So it's not lost to me that uh, the first episode after a winged wheel podcast night, we are all like, it's terrible quality, which is bad because <laughs> there's probably so many new listeners. Um, and they're just like, why are these guys remotely? Like, why does anyone listen? And uh, to use, I say, I'm still trying to figure that out. But, um, you know, it's part of it is dealing with the exhaustion and part of it's just still processing, you know, what happened. So uh, some more shout outs here. We need to say thank you to everyone who came by um, Bally Sports Detroit. Um, the the crew came by and did a feature uh, of us on the broadcast again, which humbling is is not a strong enough word. And and thank you all so, so, so much for for um, 
for doing that and, and showing this incredible community that that you guys have helped us build. And it was really cool. It's always really surreal to see that on the broadcast. That will never get old. You know, hearing Winged Wheel podcast and seeing that name on the bro- on the broadcast is like, yeah. And uh, and to everyone who came through, all the all the special guests. I know COVID uh, did its number on on who could actually come this time. But um, big shout out to Daniela Bruce who came out and uh, chatted with us and chatted with people. And she had a, I mean, stuff to do during the game. So uh, thank you to Daniela and. Uh, Danielle, I'm sorry. I know we promised you some credit on the live broadcast about Rasmussen because you stood by, but um, uh, we did the the live Q and A, so we didn't get there. But we owe you one, Danielle. We have to have you back on the show to to ba- basically rub egg on everyone else's face about Ras. So thank you all, and um, yeah, you're gonna hear more sporadic thank yous. And uh, as my brain slowly collects, and you're gonna see Evan roll his eyes at me even more and more, and that's just how it's gonna go. Let's talk about the NCAA. So uh, the Red Wings have quite a few, you know, notable prospects in the system right now. But Denver um, and their performance in the NCAA uh, D1 Hockey Championship with the Frozen Four onwards. Obviously, lately, um, their performance has been fantastic. And they hold the likes of Carter Mazur, uh, Shai Buyam, and uh, Antichua Misto. So... Big performance and huge to see those guys uh, eventually win the tournament. Yeah, and um, obviously the culmination of a good to great season for all three of them, depending on which one you're talking about. Obviously, Carter Mazur uh, being the standout of the Red Wings group there because um, younger than Tuomisto, older than Booyam, despite being drafted in the same draft as Booyam. Um his breakout performance was, I think, close to a point per game throughout the season. I believe he got an assist in the uh, finals. Won't hold it against him that he knocked out that uh, they knocked out Michigan in the semis. Not mad. I'm not mad. Not mad. But um, yeah, no. It was, so it was it was good to see that a team that had um, multiple Red Wings prospects who featured like they weren't just spare parts in the run you know winning the ultimate prize in ncaa hockey is is really really promising in the big picture without naming names we were talking with someone in the organization about <laughs> carter mazer and one of the first things we said to him was uh hey great job making us look absolutely stupid on mazer and you know not that it, <laughs> going back to draft time it's not that we hated uh Mazer as a player it's, it's not that at all but it was just like who is this guy who were the other guys available at that pick seems like a little bit of an unknown and it seems like a guy you could have had later and an altogether draft like that where there were some different picks but ones where you can really see the swing that the Red Wings were taking that one was confusing and and they laughed and they were like yeah this uh he's real good he was really good. So I'm I'm excited to watch Carter Mazer continue to develop. And I love the fact that his favorite player is Darren Helm because it's become a little bit of a meme with Red Wings fans. And they're like, haha, Darren Helm. But again, I, and I think I've said this exact thing before. If we can have a, a prime Darren Helm on every generation of the Red Wings, I'm over the moon. Because remember what Darren Helm did for this team in the playoffs. So Carter Mazer, keep modeling your game after Darren Helms. Those have a place on cup competitive teams. Carter Mazer has a phenomenal story. He was a late bloomer. He plays that gritty 200 foot game that you would expect on a bottom six, uh, cup contending team. And he's already missing his two front teeth. I mean, the guy's built for the playoffs. 
it's going to take him uh, yes or no. It's it, we shouldn't get too far ahead with Carter Mazur in terms of expectations, right? Like I think again, we're, we're it's a little bit of Lucas Raymond, Mo Sider syndrome here where everyone wants to see any good rookie on the Red Wings next year. And we're probably doing a little bit of that with Edvinson, but it's going to take more time for Mazur, especially that kind of player and the path he's taken. There needs to be more patience and that's not a slight on him. It's just not every guy is going to jump right into the NHL. That's extremely hard to do. Well, yeah, there's two angles we have to take on this. One, like I already mentioned, it's a very good sign that a team that had three Red Wings prospects won the national championship. But then we also have to look at, well, these three guys won a national championship with their team, which means the rest of the team is probably pretty damn good and have helped them along. So Carter Mazur obviously earned everything he had this season, but he probably doesn't have the same point totals if he's on, you know, Michigan State or something like that. Um, that's the reality of it. So got to be careful in terms of development because Denver could be a weaker team next year and Carter Mazur could put up almost identical numbers, but the season would actually be a big improvement, uh, in his development just because he's doing it with less help around him. Cause I think Bobby Brink has already signed with Philly and I think they lost one or two other players. Um, cause that's the nature of the NCAA. Um, and they're going to get bigger and more prominent roles because I think all three of them uh, should be back with Denver next year. So, yeah, it's it's easy to want to see these guys break through as fast as possible. But as we've talked about, the Red Wings are nowhere near contending. So every decision with prospects in the organization needs to be made with what is best for this prospect team, NHL, AHL be damned. That doesn't matter. Whatever is best for Mazer, whatever is best for Booyam, whatever is best for Tuomisto, make that decision with no thought to the organization next season. Speaking of Booyam and Tuomisto, as a, like a little bit of a, a prospect profile here, here again, you know, in terms of the Red Wings, what's your take on them? Because I, I know Booyam was not an unknown, but it was a little bit of a um, a different ph- philosophical pick than what some people were expecting. And Tuomisto has had an interesting, again, same thing where the Red Wings people were expecting the Red Wings to go in a different direction. They took to me. So what's your take on where they are in the system right now? You know, depending on to what you just said. Well, I, I would actually say philosophically, Booyam is the exact type of pick. Um, I would actually say they're both the type of picks that the Red Wings like very toolsy players taken outside of the first round with, a, with a good frame to build around and a good skill set to build around, but very raw needing a lot of uh, refinement. Um, that that's right up the rings alley. So it, it was kind of a hit or miss because Mazer was a freshman this year for reference, but he was an overager in the draft. So he's, like I said, he's a year older than Booyam. Booyam was the true definition of a freshman, earliest age he could get in, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and he was almost a half a point per game defenseman. Um, he outproduced to Amisto, who I think is two or three years older. Uh, which isn't nothing. So obviously with his game, he didn't work out all the flaws this season. A lot of them are still there. Um, he still has his lapses. He still has some consistency issues. But when he was on this year, it was very clear why he was a second round pick for the Red Wings. Like you didn't have to think very hard wondering why the Red Wings picked him where they did. There'll always be the argument of, ah, yeah, but what about this player who picked out, who was picked after it? There's always going to be those arguments. Don't ever marry yourself to those um so overall i was very happy with booyam unfortunately to omisto over his uh 
few years with uh, Denver has not progressed the way we were hoping because he was billed as, you know, a, a big offensive defenseman who thinks the game really well, has a cannon for a shot, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, ideally he'd come in, be the Red Wings second power play quarterback one day in the NHL as, you know, another right shot defenseman. It's not looking like that. The offense hasn't blossomed like it, like they would have hoped. Um, not that he's a bad defenseman. I mean, he has worked out a lot of the kinks in his game and he, he's definitely improved from where he was when the Red Wings drafted him, but not by as much as we would have hoped. So I'm not saying write him off. He, he's obviously still got potential and he's still, you know, in his early twenties, he's not old by any stretch, but next year for him, I, I, does feel like a make or break like he, he he's got to have that breakout season or i don't know what the red wings do with him and as has been the story for a long time now all the red wings have is draft picks that's not gone away yet it's not to the the height i think of what we've seen but that could still change depending on what direction steve weisman moves in more and more guys are going to be brought in the longer you go the more you get guys in the eisenman system even though i would still call it at this point there's no it would be remnants of uh, of a Ken Holland system. So this is Eisman's system, but you know what I mean? It's it's not every prospect can remain a prospect forever. So yeah, I, I think make or break to some degree is true for all of these guys, but especially what you mentioned. Um, in the interest of, I think, sparing your ears because, you know, we're, we're grabbing the last remnants of either uh, exhaustion, consciousness, or, or Evan, you're, you've got your brain fog. Can you guys explain to me how someone can win basically the heart, the Hopi Baker for NCAA, but can't win best goalie in the country? (laughs) How can a goalie win best player in the country, but not be the best goalie in the country? Please explain that to me. The The NCAA, man. That's like winning the heart, but not winning the Vesna. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So in, in a bubble, it's dumb as hell and honestly overall it's can dumb we, as hell. Uh, Dev- can we explain for the listeners what uh what what evan was referring to yeah so devin levi uh had an absolutely unreal season for northeastern this year he was otherworldly and um he won the top ncaa goaltender and uh dryden mckay who is a goaltender for uh, minnesota duluth um i always get all the minnesota teams mixed up but we'll go with that also had a phenomenal season, but was not in the same reality as as Devin Levi. Like I said, he was on another planet. But Dryden McKay won the Hobie Baker for NCAA Most Outstanding Player. So he wasn't the most outstanding goalie, but he was the most outstanding player as a goalie. Now, what I think happened here was this was they viewed the Hobie Baker for McKay as more of a lifetime achievement award. Um, because he did set the NCAA all-time record for wins in a career this season. Um, no goalie in the history of the NCAA has won more games than him. Um, his team was very, very good every year he was there. He was very, very good every year he was there. It was like that year in the NHL way back when, when Eric Carlson was head and shoulders better than Drew Doughty, but they gave Drew Doughty the Norris just because he was quote-unquote due. Was that only like it four feels years ago? Vi- <laughs> Yeah, honestly, but it feels very much like that's what happened here. Like, yes, we're going to acknowledge that Devin Levi had the better season, but Dryden McKay needs his due. And so they gave him the Hobie Baker. 
Logic, baby. Can't wait for Calder and uh, Hart and uh, and all that voting. Speaking of Hart voting, that's what I want to transition to. You know, I, I know Red Wings fans are often um, the rivalry between Detroit and Toronto is good, and it's always good to to have those rivalries be strong. I, I don't ever pretend to say that you should, you know, arbitrary like a player just because he's good, but you have to recognize what Austin Matthews has done here. He officially accomplished within a 50-game span, 50 goals, actually 51. So he's one of only eight players that have ever accomplished that 50 50 and 50 feet in NHL history. Uh, Sorry, one of nine. He makes it nine. Maurice Richard, Mike Bossy, Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, Brett Hall are the official 50 and 50 scorers. Never heard of them. Yeah, not bad company, huh? Yari Curry, McGilney, and Cam Neely. Um, and now Austin Matthews are known as the unofficial 50 and 50 seasons as the NHL requires a player to have scored his 50th goal in or prior to his team's 50th game. So within a 50 game span, Matthews accomplished this. Look, I think Connor McDavid is easily the best player on the planet. And it's not like there aren't guys who are up there, but you watch Connor McDavid and you know, in a vacuum, not counting what's happened that season, he's the best player in the world. But the way the Hart Trophy is decided and voted on and knowing what you need to do win, to do to win hockey games, which is score goals, how does it not go to Austin Matthews right now in my mind? So I have two points I want to make on this. The first one is I do not care who wins between Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid. You can make very, very coherent arguments for both. And I'd have no arguments against either of them. I think their points per game is like 0.02 apart with McDavid having the slight edge there. And then obviously Matthews has the edge in goals. The only argument that I constantly see that actually makes no damn sense to me is, well, Connor, the definition of the award is most valuable player to his team. And Connor McDavid has Leon Dreisaitl. So how can he be the most valuable when there's another player like that? Like everybody's completely ignoring the absolutely insane season Mitch Marner is having. And you guys are pretending that Austin, Austin Matthews. You guys are pretending that Austin Matthews yeah. isn't playing with Pierre Engvall. Oh, Come he, on he, now. He's got he's got Michael Bunting on his line, the Calder winner. Like <laughs> he's yeah. learning from his elders. Exactly. I hate that. That's a literal statement. Like I really do, because Michael Bunting is actually older than Austin Matthews. But anyways, no, like. I don't care if there's other good players, because if we're going by supporting cast, um, Matthews is getting more help than McDavid is. And I don't think anybody can argue that. But for whatever reason, the talking point is the opposite of that. Um, I, I would argue Marner's having a better season than Dreisaitl is in a, in, in a vacuum, but it doesn't matter. Again, I don't care. I want to change the definition of, war, of the award because it's most valuable to his team is just dumb we know what the award should be just best player most outstanding season however you want to do yeah. it best Make performance his- best performance in season most outstanding season that's what it should be that's what it should be who cares and then you can get rid of all these other dumb arguments out of the way and we can just focus on the player at hand because that would be way more fun um because look at all the guys in the running right now almost every one of them has another elite player on their team ovechkin has backstrom huberdo's got barkov etc etc so Again, circling back, what Matthews is doing in the goal scoring category is remarkable. Nobody's put up the type of goal scoring production he has since the mid 90s. What Connor McDavid's doing is always otherworldly. This is not a black and white argument, 
And so anybody who's trying to make it a black and white argument, you're wrong. It's just a matter of preference at this point because there is so little separating them. I want to see this discussion. It's a healthy discussion, right? I love a heart trophy debate where it's not just, you know, one runaway winner. The discussion should be about, hey, look at Connor McDavid just doing whatever he wants to do on the ice at will, playmaking, speed, cutting through offense, uh, scoring whenever, versus Austin Matthews scoring at an almost literally unprecedented level in this generation of hockey. Like That's what the debate should be about. And that's where you really should get into those X's and O's and nuances and, and little minutia to try to put one guy above the other. And you're right, Brad, it's not black and white. Um, but yeah, reducing it to you know, Matthews plays with Marner or, or McDavid plays with Dreisaitl. You have to have half a brain to realize that, yeah, good teammates are always going to help, but that's not what makes the performance, right? Like it's it's reductive and I think it's a lazy argument and it's plenty of guys have great teammates. Plenty of guys have elite teammates who don't do these kinds of things. They have fantastic seasons. They have career seasons. Maybe they have seasons that they're, the fans of that team will remember forever, but that doesn't mean that they ha- they're having heart trophy seasons. It's not easy to do this kind of thing. So in my mind right now, I, I think scoring the way, um, scoring the way Austin Matthews is, is what should put him above the rest. But I don't think anyone's in, anyone is insane for thinking it should be McDavid or even before he, he slumped a little bit, Shesterkin, right? Like this is the kind of thing you want as a hockey fan. Uh, Steven Stamkos was the last guy to score 60 goals and he did not win the heart that year. It was Evgeny Malkin in 2011-2012. How many points did Malkin put up that year? There, I don't, Malkin was I don't have that on. Uh, I don't have that information on me. I just, ha- you, I just, you're not going to be our pull it up guy. No, definitely not. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, I thought he didn't win it that year, which was ludicrous to me, but, um, yeah, Matthews is having a ridiculous season and absolutely deserves the heart. I think he's the best player in the world right now. Ooh. Like, actually, I do. I definitely do. Okay, you're, you're a GM. The NHL has dissolved and reformed, and you're allowed, you're, you have first pick, and you're allowed to pick one guy in your team. Who do you take? Austin Matthews. You take Austin Matthews over Connor McDavid? Yeah, sure, why not? that why not my friend we were going to keep this episode short (laughs) why not the correct answer here was mo cider but anyways thank you brad thank you brad for that injection of rationality okay so so evan your heart trophy vote goes to austin matthews right now yes sir brad who does yours go to it's tough i if i could split my ballot i would that would be my honest opinion right now boo but Obviously, I'm not going to do that here. I'm going to go with Matthews. Um, tiebreaker for me is he he tends to have a better 200-foot game than McDavid does. I don't buy into these McDavid's bad defensively arguments. Like He's not going to win any Selkies, but he's also not incompetent there. But Matthews is legitimately an above-average defensive forward. So couple that with the ridiculous offensive output. Yeah, I I think I probably give the edge to him. Yeah, I, I like McDavid is getting a second place vote here, but it's Austin Matthews for me. I'm I'm so curious about Evan's comment, and you know people are gonna be like, especially new listeners are gonna be like, oh this guy's guy has COVID, he hasn't talked a lot this episode, he's he's a little sick, and then Evan comes in with a bombshell. I think Austin Matthews is the best player on the planet. 
That's the Evan Lobsinger brand right there, folks. Welcome to the experience. All right. Um, speaking of Malkin, who did he? Who was it that he cross-checked in the face? Uh, Borvietsky. Yeah. Cross-checked to the face, left him bloodied. I think just a day ago, uh, Sidney Crosby sucker punched Nick Dowd as well. What are the responses to that? Pittsburgh are goons and Malkin has a short wick. Who who could have known? Yeah, Red Wings fans are intensely familiar. And there's also a history of Evgeny Malkin, you know, getting the kind of uh, uh, punishment that he deserves, right? I'll never let that one yeah. go, man. I can never let that one go. It drove me nuts. Yeah, this is very much a new personality trait for him. And uh, he'll probably get the maximum allowable fine under the CBA, which is the equivalent of like $2.50 for him. Um, I mean, the only thing that might save us in terms of uh, another example of the NHL Department of Player Safety just absolutely shitting the bed is there's an identical incident that happened less than a month ago that resulted in a two-game suspension. What Malkin did to Borvietsky here is absolutely no difference than what Austin Matthews did to Rasmus Dahlin. It's a cross-check to the face. Uh, Malkin's, I would argue, is worse because his was a little more direct to the front of the face where uh, Matthews got Dahlin from the side. And Malkin came dangerously close to breaking Borvietsky's finger on a slash where he knocked the stick out of his hands right before he cross-checked him in the face. So if they're looking for precedent on what the punishment should be here, they do not have to go back very far. Yeah, I uh, I love that they had the Matthews suspension because I thought the, it was the right call. I think Leafs fans were also correct in pointing to situations in the past where they haven't made that call. I think that's one of the first times the NHL Department of Player Safety has gotten one of those situations correct. And I'd like to see them continue it here. It's another high-profile player doing the exact same stupid thing. It's malicious. It caused injury. You can't use your stick as a weapon in the NHL. This is a big boy league where you need to be able to take your punches. Same way I called for, you know, being happy that Bertuzzi was throwing them. If Bertuzzi took him back, I'd have to say the same thing. But at no point are you allowed or should you be allowed to use your stick as a weapon. Plain and simple. And I don't buy the excuse of heat in the moment. And I don't buy the excuse of like, oh, lost control or whatever. No, no. These guys are on the top 0.00001% of hockey players on the planet. They have full control. They know what they're doing. Bad time for... uh Crosby and Malkin to be acting up too because um, Pittsburgh's on a bit of a slide right now. I know they won their last game, but they haven't looked all that great lately. And in their division, losing games makes you fall down the standings in a heartbeat. So uh, I don't feel bad for Pittsburgh at all, but just terrible time to be doing stupid stuff. Especially heading into the playoffs too. Like you make it in, sure, but you come in on a slump. That's not the playoffs. I'm betting against Crosby in the playoffs. (laughs) No, no, but still, you you can't be in the wrong space as a team. You can't be in the wrong mindset as a player. Granted, some guys are going to say, oh, this is charging, you know, getting the guys energized and the frustration is not bad. A little vacation before playoffs. Yeah, the Duncan Keith special. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we got to text each other, buddy, before we – the same wavelength thing doesn't go against our – or goes against our brand of being completely opposite people. True. That's the uh, that's the real thing. Have you ever seen me and Evan in the same room? Probably like our second yeah. last YouTube yes, video. Yes, many times. Shut up, both of you. Okay. 
Uh, we're going to keep this one short, like we said. So we're going to jump into uh, overtime for this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast. Um, all of you new listeners and uh, listeners of old, patreon.com slash winged wheel podcast is how you support this show. So when you see things like winged wheel podcast night at the LCA, uh, when you see us do giveaways, put together things like the uh, the Mickey Redmond special flannels and things like that, that is made possible by our Patreon supporters. And, and you're the reason why we are able to dedicate the time uh, to putting this podcast out. So you know, we mean it when we say any and all success is afforded to you. And that is especially for true for patrons. So patreon.com slash wind wheel podcast, if you want to help support the show. Miss Days says, uh, in, in true Detroit fashion, Winged Wheel Podcast Night was the worst ref game of the season. Utterly atrocious uh, from the constant phantom calls for the wings to the whistles being completely away for Columbus. In other news, the season is basically over, but we keep playing guys hurt. Ronick and Larkin uh, haven't practiced in over a month. What is stopping the administration from su- shutting them down to recover? It's really apparent that they're both dealing with something and at times they're struggling. Is it because the organization needed wins for culture or because there's legitimately no one else to eat those minutes? Um, yes, yes. And more likely, um, there's different types of injuries. If it's a type of injury that you're not going to make worse by playing on it, and then it's just pain management, leave it up to the player. And if it's off-season surgery or rehab that corrects it, fine. Um, I don't think they'd be playing either of them if there was a risk that whatever's going wrong could get worse because, yeah, that would just be insane in a season at a point where it doesn't matter. So without knowing the injury, I've, I've got a gut feeling it's something along those lines. It's coming from Dalton Moore says, uh, does wing wheel podcast night means, uh, it's going to go into overtime now. It has to, right? It's another tradition. I hadn't noticed that until he, he, he commented that that's really funny. Yeah. That's uh, if you want an overtime thrilling game, even when it was four, two, it was a wing wheel podcast night. They had to come back. We're one Oh and one. Yeah. See how it goes next season. Jake Nagy says, uh, since being traded to Detroit, Verona has 18 goals in 27 games as a Red Wing for a gil- uh, goals per game of 0.66. The only other players with the same or better pace in the NHL this season. Austin Matthews with a 0.87, which is absurd. Leon Dreisaitl with a 0.69. Nice. Uh, Chris Cryer with a 0.67. And Forsberg with a 0.66. Is it possible that Verona could be an all-star caliber player for the Wings moving forward, or do you think it's just a hot streak? This is what his underlying analytics have said his whole career. This was the conversation we had when we traded for him. It was he has performed at an exceptional per 60 rate or whatever you want to call it. He just played a very limited role on a stacked Washington team. Will this continue when he's playing more minutes? And so far, the answer is yes. Uh, this one from Connor Howie, who's a brand new patron says, Hey boys, a uh, new patron here joined yesterday at Wing wheel podcast night. Connor, that means a lot, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And welcome to the dub dub club. Uh, it was great talking to you guys. Question. How close will the wings be to the playoffs next season? I'm going to go with maybe a, roughly the same spot. Sorry. You think ahead. the same spot, Brad, same spot, but with more points. Uh, I, I don't think the discrepancy between the playoff teams and the non-playoff teams is going to be quite uh, this dramatic next year. So I I still feel like Detroit's going to finish in the 9-10-11 seed in the conference, but they won't be like a billion points out of it at this point. I think I can't answer this one until I see what, you know, Eisman does through July, at least. 
right? Like you have so much variability with this roster. You have Larkin and Bertuzzi's extension to come to to sign at some point over the next, you know, free agency has to start first uh, over the next eighteen months or however long it is. You have Verona is going to be a a hot target for teams. And I'm not saying that they're going to trade him, but teams are certainly going to try. You have to figure out what you want to do with Hronik. You have to figure out what you want to do with the the Cider and Raymond timeline. Eisman can move in a couple directions here. And and I have my opinion on what I would like to see. And that's changed over time, to be be frank. But um, I don't know. I think there's a version of this offseason where Eisenman moves his team way closer to the playoffs. And I think there's a version where he doubles down and we see maybe a season like this one. Uh, and they're they're in the uh, Connor Bedard uh, Michkov conversation. I don't know. Yeah, to me, it's the fact it's not really an internal look at the team. It's the external of the division. You still have Tampa. You still have Florida. You still have Toronto. And you have Boston who turn back the clock every single year. So until those teams make a misstep or the Red Wings drastically improve, it's going to be a lot more of the same for better or for worse. Um, <laughs> baseball question. Large says, uh, ha- hello, Mr. Dub Dubalinas. Uh, in the latest article, I translated Hakan Anderson, scout extraordinaire, uh, saying he sees Victor Hedman potential in Simon Edvinson. Just savor that statement. It's Hakan Anderson saying that. I genuinely believe what we have on our hands in Edvinson Insider will be the closest to second coming of Lidstrom and Konstantinov we can come. What do you think about his comments? He also says he's very impressed with Elmer Soderblom. I have never been given any reason to doubt Hakan Anderson. Every time Lidstrom comes up, I have to say you can't compare players to one of the best players of all time and arguably the best or second best defenseman of all time but every time we have this conversation that qualifier seems more and more not pointless but softer because if you if you don't boil it to like overall ceiling but you look at the qualities yeah cider's making you 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 double back on some things i'm still you know it is what it is with edvinson that inspires a lot of hope of the people to to trust in this organization, you know, people would, would put Steve Eisman first, but Hakan Anderson has the justification to be at the top of that list. So if that's his opinion, then that bodes really well for, for Edmondson and for Soderblom. Also, nope, go ahead. Nope, no rational takes. Victor Hedman or bust. <laughs> Lars also says, uh, if you've been calling him Hakan, uh, Hakan or uh, not closer to Hawken twice in this comment, there will be Sir Strumming in your mailbox. I think I got it. So I'm avoiding the stinky fish this time mr claudicus says make a first line with anyone in the nhl only one player per team add rules as you see fit love mr claudicus um mcdavid matthews and then it doesn't matter (laughs) pick anybody (laughs) you could you put them both i think you should use their true positions though that's the only thing well that's less fun yeah well are yeah. we talking for are we talking for just this season or are we talking for like this is going to be my first long for as, first line for as long as I can keep him under contract Arner, this season. Matthews, Huberto, move on, moving on. Wow. This guy's skipping over Connor McDavid. I guess I shouldn't be surprised based on what you said. If, that's why I was specifying is it just this season or is this cuz if we're talking long term I'm going McDavid if it's just this season I'm Matthews and then yeah it'd be hard to argue against uh Huberto and uh, Marner the way they're playing this year. You mean Hart Trophy candidate, Jonathan Huberdeau? Yes. 
All right, we have time for uh, one more comment here. And I'm Derek says, hey, everyone, I hope you had a blast at Winged Wheel Podcast night at the LCA. I have two questions for you. If you if you had to choose between keeping Rasmussen or Zadina for the long haul, who are you keeping? Zadina. At this point, both players have underperformed based on draft stock and expectations. They've both had times where they've looked better. I think Rasmussen has had more of that lately. But, you know, for guys where it's almost a project or a redemption arc that you need and nothing's a guarantee, you have to go with the one that's a higher ceiling in my mind, and that's Zadina. And that's not that's only for the sake of the question. It, it wouldn't be easy to just give up on Rasmussen and, and nor should we, I think we can see the same kind of redemption with him. Actually, he's, he's doing better than Zadina on that front right now. Yeah. If you take out the last month, Zadina, despite massively underperforming draft position has still shown a lot more than Rasmussen has. Uh, Rasmussen obviously has had a much, much better stretch over the last uh, month or so. But yeah, no, if we're look if we're taking in the last two, three years combined together, it's Zadina and it's not particularly close, but Rasmussen has made it interesting, which I wasn't expecting, and that is fun. And last question. Um you have to if you had to offer sheet one player this year, who would it be, how much, and why? So one player who's in RFA this offseason. <laughs> I think one guy you mentioned before, Brad, was uh, Jesper Bratt. And I've heard his name come up before in, in offer sheet circles. It's not a bad one. New Jersey's not particularly cap-strapped, though. And uh, given that he's probably going to be in that five to eight range, the compensation would not be high enough for New Jersey, I think, to consider accepting that because that's what you obviously got to factor in. Are you trading, quote unquote, trading Jesper Bratt for a first and a third or whatever it might be? I don't think New Jersey's doing that. I think the only players I'd really want to offer sheet are ones for it's an obvious statement, but a position of need, you know, center, maybe pick up something on left D. And really, I want some longevity in terms of the the outlook of their career. So if a guy is like his 26-year-old RFA, I don't mind the idea of offer shooting, but I'd rather shoot for a brat who's like a 23 right now, I believe, someone a little younger. So that that significantly reduces the list. Someone mentioned to me Jack Rosovic before, and I think, you know, that is going <laughs> to might have been spurred by the the hat trick he put up against Detroit. Um, Vitalik Kravtsov has come up before as well, and I think that could be an interesting situation. But um, yeah, it, it, we're going to have to see what really comes up in terms of RFAs. With the cap projected to go up by a million dollars, it's not a lot of relief, but it's maybe more than teams have seen over, over COVID. So it's going to be interesting, and I just don't know that there's going to be a lot of opportunity. And it's the NHL, right? So I don't know. I, I think there, there's no Elias Pettersson this year to, to draw that conversation in. All right, Brad, Evan, we owe these guys, uh, we owe these ladies and gentlemen, all of our listeners, a more coherent episode. So let's take a nap for two days, three days, and we'll be back with everyone on Wednesday night. Folks, all of you who came out to Winged Wheel Podcast Night at the LCA, all of you who donated to the Wing, uh, Wings Money on the Board campaign and support of the Jamie Daniels Foundation, Ken Daniels, Mickey Redmond, the Detroit Red Wings, Bally Sports Detroit, uh, you know, Daniela, everyone who came through, Prashanth Iyer, of course, Max Boltman, everyone who has supported this podcast, thank you all so much. Um, 
to the sponsors of this episode, the FanDuel Sportsbook, and the name level sponsors as well. We thank you, uh, Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels, on behalf of the Sarah Ground Foundation, um, Kyle Karagitz, Nick Perks, Brett Bailey, Tri- Terry Driver of the number 69 Cry and Ryan Hannah has been in a slam jamathong, Matthew M. Rice, Billy Howell, Brandon M., Brian Johnson, Carl Brutana Nanaluski, Citizen High Five, Craig Kibble, Daniel Garcia, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Give Blood, Fight Probert, Hana Lee, Hassam Al Qasem, Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Justin and the Angry Mob, Kaylin Wood, King Tone, Kyle Hashman, Marcus, Matt McKay, Nicholas Fritz, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Stay Fresh Bags of Cheese, Stay Fresh Cheese Bag, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, <laughs> Stay Fresh Cheese Bags. Uh, the Discord has been planning this, haven't they? Um, Stay Fresh Greech Bags, Zach Spring, Sam Bankson, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Babe Landeskog, Cheese Bag, I Wish I Could Stay Fresh, Dave W., <laughs> Eric, Eric Sinkowski, Evans Bingo Card, James Laporte, Jeremiah Dobo, Jeremy Brocker, Kevin McCracken, <laughs> Quaz, presented by Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Matt Keeler, Missing Vladdy More Than Ever, Papa Woody, Revy DeLuca, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, 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 stay fresh flea bags, the freshest of cheese bags. There's a cue to Hulk growl. I'm not going to Hulk growl. You know what? Frick it. Arr. Trevor Pevovar, Zach Handyside, and Zach McCann, a driving range superstar. There go all our new listeners, you psychopaths. I love you. Never change. Lunatics. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.